I appreciate everyone being here this morning and uh, participating in this workshop. This is really uh, important uh, for us that you all that you all are here, and it's important for our communities. It's important for those who are incarcerated uh, for us to be uh, pumped up and encouraged and motivated uh, to do this work. Uh, what you do makes a difference, and we're going to talk about that uh, some this morning. I am a chaplain at the Sumner County Jail. This is a picture of some volunteers talking to men who are about to be baptized. Uh, and that's in Gallatin, Tennessee, just north of Nashville. I also work in the jails and prisons throughout Tennessee. And uh, uh, River Bend, Maximum Security, uh, Deberry, the prison hospital, women's prison, and uh, other, other jails in the middle Tennessee area. But uh, our ministry is available to all 95 counties in all 14 state prisons. Not everyone takes advantage of what we offer, but we're, we are available uh, to, to the entire state of Tennessee. <laughs> and uh, we also help other uh, communities. I was just talking to D.C. here about going to Indiana, and if they need us up there, i would be glad to, to go and, and help them any way we can. And uh, we work with folks in Alabama and, and other, in Kentucky and other places as well. I had a couple of come up, fellows come up to me and uh, introduce themselves as chaplains and, and people that work in the jail. And so uh, we're going to be talking about them, talking about uh, uh, some of the challenges that we face. So I look forward to some input from them uh, as uh, working in the correctional system. Because some of us, we have to be real, we say, and working with administrators and chaplains is tough. It's a challenge. And that's what we hear a lot of times, and they don't understand us, they don't understand what we want to do, and we don't understand, uh, we're not trying to take over, we're not doing this, we just want to come in there and have a service, we just want to come and teach a class, we just, you know, want to help. And so I think that sometimes the communication between jail administrators, chaplains, and volunteers uh, is an is important place to, to work. One of the things as volunteers we need to understand is administrators have priorities. What are, what are some of those priorities that you think might be? What are the top two that, you should, that we should know as volunteers? Safe environment. Security and safety, right? They want to be secure. And they want the, the inmates to be safe. All right, and this also is safety for the community because a secure facility is a safe facility, and that means the community is uh, safe. What's going on up in New York and Vermont right now, right? It's all over the news. These two guys, murderers, are running the countryside and people are locking their doors and their windows. They're not safe and those inmates are not secure. So this is a priority. And with that is also regulatory compliance. This is something that's high on the list of priorities for jail administrators and for sheriffs and wardens and uh, TDOC uh, staff. And the two main areas of compliance is TCI. We actually have a representative from TCI coming uh, to speak to, uh, here at the workshop. Uh, we had a fellow named Jerry Scott. Uh, he's not going to be able to make it, but William Wall is the assistant director of the TCI, and he'll be here at the workshop to talk about TCI. And that is the governing body for Tennessee that uh, puts in place standards for jails. And I, I, 
I don't know for sure, but I have to think every state has a, its own version of a, of a body that governs the standards for jails. And of course, the uh, Religious Land Use Institutional Persons Act uh, is a federal act that was put in place uh, to, to allow for people to be, uh, to practice their religious beliefs. And so those are some things to, to be aware of. But on that list of priorities, volunteering is not necessarily on that top priority list. You know, safety and security is a priority. And that's what you'll, you'll see for uh, state <coughs> departments of corrections as well. Jail administrator position, here's just one summary. <coughs> and this, I think, is a pretty typical summary of a jail's administrator's position. Uh, they're responsible for the overall operation of the jail. Uh, they wear many hats. They have many responsibilities. And their days are busy, and sometimes their days are long. And it's, uh, it's operation. It's a, it's a government business. It's not a business like, like a retail business or industrial business, but it is a, it's an operation. It's an organization uh, that's overseen by members of the government, by members of the community. So they're responsible for housing, feeding, clothing, medical, recreation, safety, education, programs, staff, supervision, uh, you know, making sure people are there on time and they're doing their jobs and they're not trafficking uh, things to inmates, contraband, and all, all different kinds of things like that. So the more we understand about a jail administrator's role and position, for the administrator and the chaplain, the better understanding we have uh, going in and trying to uh, make a pitch for our programs. What are some issues administrators might have? I have, I have several listed on here, but what do you think? Lawsuits, uh, lawsuits uh, in the jail administrator at Sumner County, she's got these binders. They're like three, four-inch binders uh, with an inmate's name and lawsuit. And sometimes she's not there. And I say, well, where's, where's Miss Trout, the, the jail administrator? Oh, she's in a federal courthouse. There's a lot. Some inmates made a lawsuit. Health care, of course, a lot of jails and prisons contract out health care. And so it still doesn't relieve the jail or the sheriff or the county from the responsibility. It just means it's another layer of, of supervision that has to be followed up with. All these things, the jail administrator is impacted by. And there towards the bottom, towards the end, is inmate programs and volunteers. When they get done with all those other things, making sure all those other things are in order, then if they have time, they're willing to talk to someone about an inmate program or volunteer programs. And so we, you know, we're going to feel like, oh, well, hey, I'm at the bottom of the list. doesn't mean it's not important because we know what, that what we do is important. It makes a difference in the lives of the inmates and, and in, the, in the community. But it's just a matter of prioritizing. Sometimes uh, it's lower on the list. And so we have to go in there and maybe say, hey, we understand that. But we also know that it is important. Here's the mission for uh, TCI. 
I know it's probably kind of small, but, but basically to establish minimum standards for adult uh, local jails, lockups, workhouses, and detention facilities. So on their website, on the TCI website, they have a place where you can see all of the standards for the jail. And there are very few when it comes to uh, religious uh, practices. It says in there that jails are to have a weekly service, that all inmates are to have a weekly service, and that they are to have a library. Those are probably the two biggest areas that we can maybe impact. Uh, otherwise, the rest of the standards are clothing standards, housing standards, how many inmates you can have per square foot, how many beds you can have in a certain size cell, uh, the minimum food standards, uh, just all different kinds of standards. Similar to uh, a business, if they have standards, for example, I worked in hospitality, I worked at a hotel, uh, Hilton and Marriott hotels, and we had these big binders of standards for guest rooms, for maintenance, for housekeeping, for the front desk, all these different departments of a hotel had books that had standards. And so they have standards as well. And uh, TCI representatives tour the state constantly to inspect jails to see if they're compliant with the standards. And they have a points and, and a list of checklists that they go through to, to see if they're compliant. <coughs> I think sometimes we don't go into the jail administrator's office with a mindset of how we can help them. That's what they're looking for. They're, you know, we often say, well, can you help me? Can you help me get this class going? Can you help me with this program? Uh, can you help me with a time slot? I, I need to change. I need, I need something. But if we could go in there with the idea of, uh, I'm here to help you, then that sometimes opens their eyes, brightens their day, changes their frown to a smile, and says, hey, well, here, here's somebody that might be able to help me. You know, I think, th I think that makes a big difference. Of course, 1 Peter 4.10 talks about being uh, ministers to one another. Uh, easy to read. It says that we are to be good servants. To be good servants. And that's what we're here for. We're, we're here to serve. To help others. And it's more than serving just the inmates. While that's one of our focus areas, when we do serve the inmates, we're serving jail staff. We're serving the community. We're serving our, our family. Uh, there's a couple of Bible verses in James. At the end of James 5, 19 and 20, it talks about if we turn someone, uh, we can save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. And the idea is that when we turn someone away from a destructive behavior, from sinful behavior, they're, they're not going to live a life of sinfulness. She uh, shared a little bit about my story uh, when I was 17, I shot a classmate in high school in Indiana. And so I had a 10-year sentence. I didn't spend the whole 10 years in prison, but I had a 10-year sentence. And I spent about five years uh, in jail, prison, work release, and then one year of parole. And so um, what I want to say with that was, you know, I know that from... You know, the need to be served as an inmate. I know the need to, to have someone come to your cell, hand a Bible through the trade door, say, read this, and it'll make a difference in your life. Because that's where my faith started. I was baptized in prison, 
and people came to see me and the doors were opened up to volunteers and so I know it's important from that perspective but we're there to serve and had someone not this is where I want to say is had someone not taken the time to spend time with me to tell me hey you can live differently what kind of life might I have lived afterwards if I would have continued in in destroying myself and others so that's that's one of the reasons why it's important because we're trying to put people on a different path sometimes the reason I have this on here is sometimes we run into roadblocks. We want to start a jail ministry, but we run into these roadblocks. We have a chaplain that maybe is difficult to work with. Uh, he's part of a maybe a different faith group, and so we feel like he's antagonistic to to our faith. And you know, so it's like, well, I want to get this started, but how can I get it started when I'm going up a roadblock when I walk in the door? But request a meeting, all right? And when that doesn't work, be persistent. Ask for another meeting, you know? Just keep after it. You know, don't, don't uh, let no stop you. Mail a letter. Make a phone call. Send an email. Whatever, whatever you need to do, leave a presentation at, at the desk. But have your, have your information organized. Have, make it easy to read. Make it... Oh, easy to follow. Sometimes the jail administrator has delegated the responsibility programs to someone else. They're not the ones that are, are taking the lead. They have all those other responsibilities that they have. And so they've assigned a lieutenant or someone else over the program part and said, you know what, I want to give you an opportunity to demonstrate some leadership in the, at the jail or prison, and I want you to be responsible for programs. Sometimes the chaplain is responsible for programs and uh, religious services to inmates. So find out who's responsible. Ask, ask good questions. Ask about is there a process. TCI, uh, for those in Tennessee, requires a four-hour orientation now for all volunteers. So I've been to about five different orientations. I uh, went to Ruth two in Rutherford County because the workhouse wanted their orientation and the jail wanted an orientation. Then uh, Robert, I've been to Robertson County, Sumner County. Of course, in Sumner County, I'm the chaplain, so I went to about five different orientations there to, to facilitate orientation. And uh, there's a lot, lot to it. So ask about orientation. And ask about the needs of the jail. What do you need? I was working with uh, some folks in Dyer County, and I had a volunteer that wants to be in the jail. He wants to volunteer. But the person that's over the program says, well, I need a teacher for art and some other kind of a class. They're trying to have some just academic kinds of classes there. Of course, there's like therapeutic art, different kinds of forms of, of art. And uh, there's a lot of people that love art in jail. You've see, seen tattoos and you've seen a lot of drawings. There's a lot of artists in jail. But uh, he was like, well, I, I really don't want to do that. But he's also on the County Board of Education. The volunteer is and so I was like well you think maybe you could help find someone that you know help the administrator help the person over the programs and then when you do that you know a few times then they're gonna say well is there some way I can help you and then you can say well I want to teach a substance abuse program they're like oh well there's a, here's a time slot let's see if we can get you in there 
So you just, you, it, it takes work. These things take effort. Look for opportunities to serve. Of course, we have our New Life Behavior classes that cover uh, relationships and family. Uh, Buck and, and uh, Mr. Mossinger have their table set up. They'll, they'll get you hooked up on their New Life Behavior program. We use it in prisons and jails all over Tennessee, and it's being used all over the country. Take advantage of, of what they have to offer. And uh, the jails, uh, they, they like the New Life Behavior programs because it's faith-based and it's behavioral-based. A lot of us, sometimes we say, well, I want to teach a Bible class. And that's good, but the jail administrator or chaplain says, well, I have enough Bible classes. Well, I have like 10 Bible classes. I need something on parenting. I need something on family. I need something on self-esteem. I need something on decision-making. I need something, you know, on these other areas. And so you can say, well... I, I can, we got 13 different courses in New Life Behavior. You know, how about sex addiction? Can I teach a sex addiction class? Truth is, all those classes are Bible classes because the Bible is a textbook for, for those, for behavioral change. So when I walk with God, my life changes and I change my behavior. Faith-based substance abuse, pre-release program, hold a worship service. In Sumner County, we have a pre-release program. It's called Homeward Bound. It's a 16-week program. And we have classes all, all through the week, all through the day, in the evening. I have about uh, 30 volunteers that just teach in this one program, Homeward Bound. And they, um, it's like a, it's just an intense pre-release program. And there's people of all different kinds of faiths that teach in this class. Uh, I provide several of them with new life behavior classes. We also use uh, MRT classes. Uh, and, 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 uh, and people have their own curriculum. But we just find out what's available. What do you, what do you need? A lot of people ask me that. They say, well, what, how can I help? And I say, well, I have this class that can be taught. Or I have this time slot. And they say, okay, I can do that. Transitional uh, support for the returning citizen. This is one of our greatest needs for prisons and jails. Uh, we know that most of the time, and we hear this often, prison doesn't work. Prison simply holds the people temporarily uh, to keep the community safe. Basically, when you commit crimes, the community says, hey, we can't have you out there drinking and driving and running across the median killing our family members. Uh, you can't go to school and shoot up the classroom, you can't steal, you can't rob, all these things. So we have to take you out of the community. We have to take you away from your family. You're destroying yourself and you're destroying us. We're going to put you in jail, in prison. It's just a temporary housing because over 95% of those who are incarcerated will be released. So temporarily, we're going to hold you out. We have a fella in Nashville that just got out of prison after 36 years of incarceration. He was out at River Bend Maximum Security. And so, uh, you know, he went in when he was about 19, and now he's just over 50. But still, it, it wasn't the entirety of his life. It couldn't keep him in there for his whole life, uh, you know, based on his crime. It took most of his life away, but not all of it. So now he's out, and what are we going to do with him? Are we going to help him re-enter the community safely or we're we just going to send him out on the street wait a few weeks have him do another crime most likely if he's been in prison for 36 years 
He's not going to want to get out the next time. He's going to want to stay the duration. So that means he's going to kill one or more people. So we have choices to make as a community. Are we going to help them transition uh, back, or are we going to just let them go on their own? So I'd say this is the biggest area. Of course, we're, uh, our grand opening for our reentry center is, is uh, June 21st. So we'll have our grand opening uh, there in Nashville. At our, our program's going to have uh, counselors from Lipscomb University. We have a job program. We'll have a church there. We'll have Celebrate Recovery. We'll have other, other kinds of classes. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of good things are happening. Jail library. We have a jail library at Sumner County, and, and I'm looking for volunteers just to push the cart around and distribute books. It's not, not a real high uh, you know, maintenance task or anything. It's just you know, help, help out. We just need someone to go and distribute some books. And uh, it's, they don't have TVs in Sumner County. So all they have to do is read. So we get them books. Well, maybe, maybe it's something as simple as that. Youth programs. <coughs> if you visit our table, the Tennessee Prison Outreach Ministry table, I have a video showing of our summer camp for children with incarcerated parents. There's over 2 million people incarcerated in the U.S., well, there's like 2.7 million children of the incarcerated in the United States. And the two main indicators of incarceration is for someone to drop out of high school and to have a mom or dad in jail. So we have youth programs that we're built, trying to build up, and we have a summer camp uh, for those young, young people. When we're working with chaplains, here's, here's the thing. We've got the chaplain's needs, then we have the inmate's needs. And we feel like, well, I want to serve the inmates. That's what I'm there for. But the chaplains have needs, too. And so when, sometimes when volunteers come to the chaplains, it's just one more burden on their plate, just one more task on their list. And so it's like, okay, what do you need? There's over 150 volunteers just in Sumner, Sumner County Jail. And so I know there's more than that at some of these others. So that's a lot of volunteers to have to work with. So maybe it's... Uh, you know, I try to recruit some people to help me with orientation. Maybe at the orientation, your church group can say, hey, you know what, we'd like to bring coffee and cookies and water and have that. This orientation is four hours long. You know, people are going to need a little break. If I had somebody to set up a little table, uh, some church folks, and set that table up and, and do that, that would be awesome. Tracking volunteers, it's, it's a, lot, a lot of work to keep track of 150 people as a, as a chaplain. And part-time, at that, as a chaplain at the Sumner County, it's, it's not my full-time job. That's just, I just go up there, you know, a couple days a week. I try to get books for our library. I go to the public library. I go, I pick up, I ask people for books at yard sales. I get donations, you know. The jail doesn't provide books. The, the volunteers or someone has to voluntarily provide books. The jail doesn't go out and, and buy books or send an officer to get books. Bibles, the jails don't normally buy Bibles. The, the jails wait for people to donate Bibles or Korans or whatever, Books of Mormon or whatever kind of religious text a person might need. But the inmates need Bibles and we want to get them to them. Community resources. The chaplain needs 
you know, to know where, you know, when people ask questions, because he gets all kinds of questions about what do I do when I get out? Where can I go? Uh, I'm a single mother with kids. Is there any kind of transition <laughs> houses that uh, I can go and I can have my kids? Uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort to do all that research and to call people and find out what, where people can go. Chavins need administrative assistance. Just all different kinds of things. But the idea is that there's helping the chaplain is different than helping the you know inmates. There's a lot of people that want to help me, and that's good. But most of most of it is they're helping the inmates. They're really not. They're not necessarily helping me do my do my tasks. Some things chaplains do not need. They don't need volunteers bringing in contraband, right? And we would think that we like to think that volunteers are the le least likely to do that. But uh, recently, there's an example of some some guys, some inmates. They said, "Hey, we need reading glasses." So a uh, volunteer brought in reading glasses, and you know, I probably had them in his pocket, wherever. Hand them to the inmate. They were on camera. Officer said, "What are you doing? You can't do that." Told the chaplain of the of the jail. Hey, you guys are not, you're going to be suspended from volunteering for a while or until I say otherwise. And uh, so they lost their privileges to serve in the jail because they passed out reading glasses. Not that the inmate couldn't have reading glasses because they, they can have reading glasses. It's just they didn't follow the process. There's a process that was established. And what volunteers fail to understand is that uh, Bibles and reading glasses and items, these inmates will hoard these items. They'll collect them up, they'll use them for trading, they'll use them to, for uh, leverage against other inmates or, or weapons. You know, they'll turn uh, the arms of the glasses into a weapon, uh, things like that. So the chaplain has to keep track of who gets what, when. I had inmates collect up. We have these uh, large print, easy to read uh, uh, Bibles, free on the inside Bibles. And so the jail staff went in and did a shakedown. And they came out, and they, they have these net bags that they keep their clothes and things in. And they said they found in those bags like five or six Bibles. And the inmates were using them for weightlifting. So that, you know, so here we've asked volunteers and we've asked churches to donate Bibles. And then the inmates collect them up. Some of them, you know, they're not, they don't care about reading the Bible. They just want the Bible for something else found Bibles with the centers cut out of them and things hidden inside, you know, and those kinds of things. Notes, uh, gangs, and people and gangs will write things in the Bibles and then send the Bible to another pod or send it back in and it gets, you know, somewhere else. So, so we want to be careful about, you know, bringing in contraband. I don't need volunteers not following their schedule. Sometimes when the volunteer goes into jail, they think, hey, I can just spend the whole day here, you know, and go from pod to pod and cell to cell, and I don't have to leave at any time. And we need to follow our schedule, wanting to change their schedule. I get phone calls. It's, it's uh, difficult to get people scheduled the way it is, and then, you know, you, you get a phone call and say, oh, I want to I change my schedule. I'm going to be on vacation next week. Can I come in a different day? It's like, no, if you miss your day, just miss it. Come next week. Challenging the rules. Circumventing their position. Chaplain's there for a reason. To be a, a buffer between the jail administrator 
and the community or the volunteers. And so the, usually the jail administrator or the sheriff has empowered the chaplain to, uh, with certain responsibilities and you know, they delegate those tasks and they want that person to, to see it through. And so it's not appreciated much when the, when the chaplain gets called into the office and says, hey, this volunteer came and said that you won't do, set up this class for them. You know, and that's all they say. They said, oh, that chaplain, uh, he won't do what I want him to do. He won't do what I asked him to do. And they don't tell the whole story, you know, how what, what was asked was, you know, there was already somebody in that time slot. There was already, you know, program already started, and they want to start midway. They want to get started before they go to orientation. They want, you know, they want a lot of different things. And, yeah, they were told no. Not following an established process. You know, jails and prisons are very structured. They, they, structure is important. It's a, kind of a parallel to military. You know, we have officers or, or uh, you know, sergeants and lieutenants and captains and majors. A lot of structure. And that's to keep order. And that's to keep safety and security. Because that's the prim primary responsibility of the jail, safety and security. If you want to work with a jail administrator, or chaplain, make it easy to say yes. Ask how can I how can I help? How can I serve you? How can I make a difference? There's something that I can do. And if you start something, see it to the end, <coughs> from start to finish, and t take the lead. Don't take on something and then dump it back on them halfway through. You know, and say, well, you know, I really don't have time for this. Uh, my, my daughter's getting married, and, you know, it's more than I can do. If you're going to do something for them, see it, see it through. Be on time for your appointments, whether it's your uh, volunteering or your appointment with the jail staff. Get to know the officers, you know. Uh, sometimes we have challenges with officers that we don't feel like they see the importance of what we're doing. They see these men and women every day. They know they're manipulators. They know they'll lie and they hear them cursing and they hear them talking about all kinds of stories about their lives and, and who they robbed and bad things they did. I mean, the officers know that, hey, these, these folks are uh, a challenge. So learn, learn the officers' names. Get to know them a little bit. How can you help them? Be genuine, you know, say, be willing to say why you're there. You're there for, for Christ's sake. You're compelled by the love of Christ. That's what Paul said he was, that he was compelled by the love of Christ. And be willing to, to stand on your faith. Be willing to share it why you're, why you're there. If something's important to them, make it important to you. That's how you're going to win them over. You know, our, our battle... Is, uh, the Bible talks about our battle is not carnal, you know, but it's, uh, it's a, we battle the, the mind, the mindsets of other people all the time. If something's important, you know, to the jail staff, then it needs to be important to us as well. This is our, our graduating class from our Homer Bound program. Their program, it's important to them. 
because they see that as a, as a pathway to their transition, to their recovery. And these men and women, they've made a big investment, uh, investment of trust, because they could just stay in their cell and play cards and play games and do, read books, do whatever, you know, just rest and relax for their duration of their stay. But they studied, they read, they listened, they told their own stories, they cried, they made an investment in, they make an investment in these programs. It's important to them. So it should be important to us to be, to be available, to be on time, and to make our own investment. And what you do makes a difference. There's a jail administrator and I with a, in one of the graduating classes giving them their diplomas. That's uh, Sonia Trout. She's a jail administrator for Sumner County. There's one of our volunteers baptizing a young lady. We do baptisms on the first Saturday of each month. And uh, in our jail, we've done, we do about 100 baptisms a year. And I've gone to other jails where their baptism's not that important to them. You know, it's something that uh, they can live without. But we're not going to, we don't have opportunity to baptize because we went in on the, knocked on the door and said, hey, uh, it's, it's their religious right to be baptized. Let us in. You know, that's not going to, that's not going to get you in. But we help with other programs. We teach other classes. Uh, you know, my work there as a chaplain doesn't cost the jail anything. You know, I'm, I'm supported by other people. These are a couple pictures of our, of our youth at our summer camp. You know, who can you impact? When you change mom and dad's life, you can change that young person's life, right? Amen. So, so we, need to, we need to be, there's a, lot, there's a lot to this jail and prison ministry than, uh, than what we think often, you know. <coughs> Just a summary, and then I want to give everybody else the opportunity to talk you can make a difference you're there to serve Christ in the community not not ourselves it's not about it's not about us find out what's important work within the rules be prepared that's my information also for those who are are in, are in Tennessee on the table in the back back there behind Susie I have a list of every sheriff and their address back there if if you're from Tennessee and and you might need that information. It came from the TCA, uh, TSA website. That's the Tennessee Sheriff's Association. Uh, we're going to have a table there at their, at their conference in Sevierville later this summer. So, and I have some business cards back there as well. But, um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is that, is that helpful information? Yeah, very yeah. much so. Thank you. It is. <laughs> the... Uh, COs, the officers where I go in the jail, love us. And I think the reason they love us is because we actually do affect the composure and the, and the daily life of the people mm -hmm. that we work with. Mm -hmm. And it makes their job easier. And we, okay, we used to go in earlier, uh, there's a shift change, and they asked us to go in after the shift changed because it made their work easier. We did that. Mm -hmm. We are there till 11 o'clock at night, yeah. but it's still worth it. 
Yeah. So good. Good. Just, just thought. Yeah. If we're engaged with the inmates, that means they're not fighting or doing something else, uh, some other incorrigible activity, right? So, I mean, we have a benefit. Mr. Carey, have you ever had anyone in a jail tell you that the inmates aren't worthy of the privilege of having volunteers come in? And if you have, how did you answer that objection? Well, a lot of times uh, I don't give those kinds of comments, you know, kind of like, time of day uh, but if I'm pushed on it you know I can say the jail administrator the sheriff they want us here um, you know and we're impacting the community when we work with these men and women you know, you know when they get out you know you might be on their list <laughs> you know hit list you know next time they're gonna break into your garage and steal your chainsaw or whatever you know so the administrators sometimes at some of the small little jails that would say <laughs> that one they don't have manpower obviously to have volunteers come in bring people to class and that's a you can understand that but i've had some administrators that believe it or not say that they're inmates they didn't feel like they were worthy for the time <laughs> and i didn't know if you had that's what i was talking about not the public person yeah yeah the actual person in charge that's kind of hard well, that is, it's a mindset that's uh, challenging to overcome. Sometimes you have to work at it from another you know, political angle. Th those folks answer to others, too. And so if, you're if you have people on the council, your county council or city council, you know, uh, that are responsible, they're responsible also for the jail. And also, those folks serve the community. And sometimes you have to break that mindset that they don't, they don't realize if they're in government, they're there to serve the community, which we are members of. And uh, if we, if it's important to us, then it needs to be important to them at some level also. Um, I was trying to uh, volunteer in the prison. I didn't understand how it worked. I just kind of walked in and said, how can I help? And I guess I kept kind of hitting a wall because I'm like, all right, I don't know what to do. They was like, well, we have some job openings. And I was like, no, I'm just going to volunteer. And they was like, well, we don't think we can take a volunteer unless you want to take the job. And it was just like, I didn't understand. Maybe I should have went through the as the chaplain. I didn't know what mm -hmm. a chaplain was. I didn't know what anything was. So I ended up not even volunteering there because they kept saying, "We'll call you. We'll call you," and they'll never call. Yeah. But um, I ended up going to the um, juvenile court here in Memphis. So now I'm volunteering with them at their Hope Academy. But so now. I'm, what I'm trying to understand is, so if I did want to volunteer at a prison, where do I start? Do I go to the... Well, uh, I might have a couple guys here that might be able to help you with that. You usually go through your chaplain, or like I work at Shelby County Division of Corrections as a chaplain. We have a volunteer coordinator. Find out if there's a volunteer coordinator. That's who you need to work with first. But the chaplain can always direct you. And, and here, like here in Memphis, I just went online to ShelbyCounty.gov, filled out the volunteer application. Paula Wilson gets back to you, and uh -huh, that's who's over the volunteers, and then she set me up with the, the class, asked what I wanted to do, and, and I've been volunteering since then. But yeah, on our ShelbyCounty.gov website, they have like, you go to corrections, I think, and then it has volunteers, and you fill out the application, and someone will get back with you right after you do that. And right, the process for the jail, too. Oh, Mr. Rossi, yeah. I got a call one day from a man that had a group that was going into a prison, and the chaplain was a 
female who would not allow for baptisms. And they asked me to call the state uh, chaplain to get that woman removed. And so I told him, I said, sir, I will never call a higher up to affect that, okay? I said, why don't you just pray for her that she'll get a promotion (laughs) and you'll get a new chaplain. Well, anyway, they got a new chaplain and they got the baptisms. Yeah. Sometimes patience is a... Patience is a is the best asset you can have. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a good thing to remember that uh, chaplains are all individual. Yeah. Just because you know one doesn't mean you know them all. And uh, I, I go to several different yards on a regular basis in Oklahoma, and I have chaplains that are just golden, just wonderful to work with. Of course, some of those folks, you know, you never see them on Sunday because they're working Monday through Friday, but the best thing you can do is just go in there with the attitude that you're going to do all the good that you can do mm-hmm. and no harm at all. You know, people will try to, you know, recruit you for an us against them. Some people hate the chaplain, you know. Some people, you know, hate this officer or hate this. You know, it's an us versus them mentality. But you're just there to do all the good you can do. Show up, you know, show up yeah. every single time. If, if, if a chaplain has you as a volunteer and, and you never – you know, the contraband thing, the static thing, you're showing up here on time. You're not disrespectful to the staff. You're one less problem that he has. And basically, you help him, you know, in his job, not just with his uh, superiors, but just on the practical day-to-day, the, in- the inmates. He did not have anything to fear. And even if he's doctrinally very different, and a lot of them are, yeah. you know, very different, at least you're... Uh, you know, you're, you're somebody that he can depend on and, and you know that you can be his friend without <coughs> being subservient to him. But you can be his friend and facilitate a lot of things and just make his life easier. And that uh, that really helps. That goes a long way to, you know, to a successful uh, volunteer uh, career. Yeah, yeah. So what exactly is a chaplain? Is it a person that can be a male or a female or is it a male role? There's a male and female chaplains, and they uh, serve in a variety of forms. I mean, there's hospital chaplains, there's military chaplains, there's prison chaplains, and they are the person that uh, helps with the religious uh, programming, you might say, of, the, of their, whether it's inmates or uh, if it's at a hospital, you know, they go and they visit people that are sick and, you know, are dying. And, if it's in the military, they work through issues that military, you know, personnel have. So, does that pretty well summarize chaplain? There's a lot more to it than that, but but that's basically to help with the religious. Let me say something. This also what what you were saying. Um, you know, we're we're here in orientation, and we tell others, you know, that um, we can share our faith, but we don't. We're not to trample or talk disparagingly about other people's faiths. You know, and uh, I think a way to be uh, non-threatening of that is that we are we are helping. We're giving people choices. If we say, hey, we're we're just we just want to help give choices. We're not trying to, you know. 
yeah, doctrinate you or something like that, you know, brainwash somebody. We just want to, we're just going to study the Bible and give people choices to make, you know. And it's still the inmate's choice all the time, whether which service they want to go to, if they want to go to a service, you know, and um, I, think, I think there's ways to di diffuse that doctrinal differences, you know, and like you said, just show up and serve and, and not be a problem is the best, is the best way, so. And at the jail, our, our chaplains, we have three full-time chaplains that work for the county employees. They're all ordained ministers, but I mean, their job is irreplaceable. What they do every day, I mean, um, we wouldn't believe the number of inmates who have deaths in their family, and we don't want the security staff being the ones that have to go break that news to them and then coordinate with the family. Um, the chaplains do all of that. Family might have a service or something, and, and the, the inmate that's in jail may get to go to a visitation, not the public one, but they can go. The security can make those arrangements for them and things of that nature. That's a lot of coordination that the chaplains do uh, with the jail as well. So. The Shelby County Division of Corrections is following on that. What we do is we uh, authenticate the death and, and information about that inmate and where he's going, make an appointment with it. The uh, funeral home where the inmate can visit privately with the body for 30 minutes. And in my particular uh, situation, just this Saturday, uh, we had an inmate to die in the family that had been come to see the funeral because I've worked with the inmate. Yeah, yes, sir. In Alabama, we're facing a terrible financial crunch. <clears throat> and just recently, one of the aspects of cutting out of the DOC has been suggested the chaplain's positions um, across the state. And when that happens, it's taking a cog out of the wheel uh, in rehabilitative programs. Well, uh, prisons and jails, they are missing out on such a great opportunity with volunteers. You know, it might take more of us you know, but, but we can fill a lot of those roles, and, and there's a different dynamic when, when you have a paid person, you know, you have a little more, you can regulate, you know, you have authority over that person and kind of uh, control them, but volunteers, you know, they're volunteers, they can come and go, if they don't want to go that day, then they don't have to, you know, but, um, but Alabama, I mean, there's a lot of volunteers in Alabama, they can... But our program's set up if a, if a volunteer misses 20% of the scheduled time, we've got somebody out there just begging. Yeah. They're going to get that spot. Yeah, yeah. You'll lose your spot. All right, y'all. Our time is up. Thank you. I know you keep going. Thank y'all.